0: And welcome to Hello Human, a podcast to explore ideas and feature humans working in AI and technology. Tara Robinson, the founder and product marketing manager at TrackRacks, an emerging leader in the fashion tech space, joins us today on the Hello Human podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in artificial intelligence and how it's being applied in the real world. I'm John Nisley, the host of Hello Human and a longtime technologist helping companies adopt and utilize emerging digital solutions. A big thanks to Fortress IQ for sponsoring the program, and be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. Fashion is one of the biggest industries globally, and revenues in the apparel market are expected to reach two trillion dollars by 2025. But it's not the first industry that pops into your mind when you think about artificial intelligence. Fashion retailers have turned to AI to make their businesses more efficient, replace photo shoots, and predict what people will buy and wear in the future. AI is able to map clothes onto people's bodies. These can either be models or potential customers who upload their own photos to an app. We've certainly come a long way since Warby Parker won the Webby in 2016 for their virtual try-on feature. Designers and brands that embrace the latest technology to push the limits of design, manufacturing, and production will come out on top in the fast-changing world of fashion. We are fortunate to have an industry leader give us her perspective and insight on the exciting uses and future of AI in the fashion business. Welcome to the program, Tara, and thanks for joining us on Hello Human and bringing your knowledge and expertise to the program. To get started, it would be great if you could just share a little bit about your background, where you got started, how you ended up where you are now as the founder of TrackRacks.
1: Thank you for having me, John. Yeah, my story is pretty interesting. I sort of ran all over the place until I sort of landed in doing what I'm doing now. I was sort of a late adopter to getting into the fashion industry because I thought to be in the fashion industry, you had to be a designer. I didn't know there were other roles, but luckily I did my MBA in fashion management entrepreneurship and really got a full eyes view of all the roles um, within the industry. I always wanted to be behind the scenes, looked at doing fashion PR, buying sort of the roles I was looking at. Interned for a stylish, realized that was not <laughs> my strong point, um, but definitely gave me great insight and that internship would really led me to come up with the idea to make racks. I ended up working as a marketing manager for Canadian shoe retailer, that have over um, 120 stores in Canada and in the US. And they had a really booming e-commerce department. And back then, I graduated in like 2012. So back then, they didn't really teach e-commerce too much in fashion schools. It's really like traditional retail merchandising and that type of stuff. So this was my first experience um, with e-commerce. And learned so much because I would manage all the landing page, the homepage, email list. Um, All of our social media strategy, but also what it really gave me was the language to talk to tech people. Um, I would go in the cave with the web developers and had to tell them what I need them to make me for different landing pages or emails. Um, And that sort of took my mind of, hey, I think I can create this idea that I had um, back when I was interning in my MBA. Um, and I was doing an internship, So if anybody watched like The Devil's Wear Prada, that was definitely my experience. I was running around New York, grabbing samples from all over the place. And samples are sort of the prototype before you mass produce merchandise. That's sort of the version that you'll use in photo shoots and fashion shows. So we would get these samples, bring them back to the showroom and manually count them. And so for one photo shoot, you could have hundreds of samples. Um, so I was in the studio counting these samples, emailing it to the computer, printing it out, and putting it in a physical book. And obviously, my first thing was like, "Does is there no digital solution that does this? This is taking hours, and also things are getting lost all the time." And I just was like, "We have to have a better way of doing it." Uh, I probably quit the next day because they sort of were like, "Go back to work. Um, that's not what we hired you for." But luckily, I had a launching new ventures course that semester and I just used it for like a pitch idea. And then what was really great is everyone else worked for big fashion companies like Michael Kors and Calvin Klein and what I thought was just one experience, everyone told me, wow, I have this problem with Michael Kors too, I interned at Calvin Klein and it's the same way, like no one has these systems. Um, so now after I had that experience underneath my belt, um, I. Reach out some developers, told them about my idea and helped them to make that platform for me. I quit my job at the end of 2018 after I was taking client calls in the car and start working on it full time.
0: I love it. You talk about coming late to the industry and you started the company, I think, when you were 23 years old. Really yeah. remarkable. You know, it is remarkable that that early in your career, you were able to identify this industry-wide problem that was looking for a solution, you know, ultimately leading you to, to start a company. You know, we've seen this kind of interest in automation as a driver for change, you know, over and over again. You know, can you share a little bit more about the problem that you noticed in the fashion merchandising space and how TrackRacks is able to sort of transform and automate that problem? You know, what are some of the benefits to using automation tools like the one you developed in the fashion industry?
1: Yeah. So the way they were doing it back when I was interning was, like I said, they were taking a picture, the samples would come in, they would take a picture of it, they would email it to the computer, they would then print out that picture, they would then take that picture and put it in a physical book, or they would use Excel. And obviously that was doing a terrible job. Samples really interesting because you can't use a typical inventory system because inventory goes in and then it goes out. A sample has a very circular nature. It can go to marketing. It can go to the buying team. It can go out for a photo shoot, but then it has to come back in. So they were just really tracking that with the systems that they had or the Excels or physical books. That took hours. Sometimes samples don't even have tags in them, so they don't have major identifying factors. So you could have five black shirts that look all the same and you're trying to guess where it's coming from. Obviously, that just made a lot of loss. So what our system was does is digitalize that whole system. So you get your sample, you take a picture of it, it's uploaded into our system, you store all the important information like the designer, each employee has a unique QR code, so it creates accountability. You know if employee checked it in, who checked it out, which data needs to be returned. And then we generate a new QR code that you can then scan at any point and identify that sample. We also have messengers on the platform that will deliver the samples for you. People have wild stories of like just throwing $10,000 dresses in the back of an Uber and just waiting for it to get there and having someone there to pick it up. And so one of the problems with loss and means stolen was having reliable service providers so that we helped you with every single process of the sample management system.
0: Totally cool. So, you know, AI and technology is making this massive impact across the entire value chain of the imperil industry, you know, from design and production all the way through the supply chain as well as merchandising. You know, at the same time, we heard a lot about how the pandemic really forced many industries to dramatically accelerate their transformation programs. You know, I've got to assume that you saw this in fashion as well. You know, can you share any interesting, you know, industry stories from the past year or two that, you know, companies have unexpectedly had to to jump into this technology world?
1: Yeah, definitely. The pandemic was an interesting time to be selling tech, especially in the fashion industry, because they definitely were hit pretty hard and then had to really change their processes, which was a good and bad thing for me because there was so much change going on. People didn't really, it was hard for people to think of creating a different, a new expense, but the way I would sell is like, this is not expense, this is a cost saving product. You can lose samples, can cause you to lose millions, not even just lost inventory, but also in, if it takes you three days to get that product on the website because you can't find that sample, that's loss of sales. So really pivoting how I speak to people about it. And then what our platform does is we create a virtual showroom. So now you can't be in this physical office anymore. Now you don't have physical access to these samples because most of the people are working from home. So if you had set up that digital solution and created that central database before the pandemic, you would have been in a much better position because then all the team could be looking at the same thing. The systems are really broke out when you have this distributed workforce. So that was a really interesting thing. Also, it was really interesting generally in the fashion industry is the way people started shopping, right? People wanted sort of this, be able to jump in and jump out of e-commerce and then brick and mortars as well. So you've to make that process very easy for customers to transfer offline and online. And that's a big way that people were using AI as well like chat assistants, people still really like salespeople within stores to help them make purchasing decisions. So a lot of retailers were looking at how can we use AI to sort of step in where we don't have that physical person, but still give that um, customized experience.
0: Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And obviously, you know, buying clothes and things like that is such a personal experience. And oftentimes you do want that one-to-one contact. And we just haven't, you know, in many cases been able to to provide that for for people, whether it's restaurant or fashion or wherever it may be. You know, if if you look into your crystal ball, you know, how does the apparel industry leverage technology over the next four to eight years? You know, what are the emerging trends that we should keep an eye on from a technology perspective?
1: Um, Yeah, um, in the B2B space to me um, is simplifying work automations forces. I think a lot of people are going to be in that remote workplace or that dual sort of thing where you're going to work and you withdrawal also working remote. So systems like mine are going to become really important that allow people to jump in and offline, offline and online, um, so they can have access to the same information. I think being more efficient and simplifying processes is going to be a big part um, on the back end. But in the B2C space. Definitely a big thing for retailers right now is things like the AI chat. How can I make processes that are really simple where people can have experience online? Because a lot of people are shopping online way more during the pandemic. So there are things about it they like about it, but they still like to go and sort of stuff. So that AI assistance, the VR trying on process, I think we're going to adopt that in a much more efficient way. We're really going to see it um, pop in on the e-commerce side. So avatars and creating realistic, more realistic avatars, not like the things of the past where it sort of fits to your body. Because the biggest problem in fashion is still um, returns um, because people aren't finding the right sizing. Um, So that virtual try on, I think the way we thought it would be implemented is not the way actually is going to be implemented. I think it's really going to live on e-commerce. You see Walmart and Amazon really investing into that sort of slow down some of their returns. And that is through um, VR and try on avatars. So you can really see what things are going to look like on your body before you make that purchase decision and hopefully making you more happy with that purchase decision. Also, social commerce is going to be huge. You can see Instagram, TikTok investing heavily in social commerce. So how do we create that creator economy and influencers who help people make purchases decisions? How do we implement that into your business? So, how do I put that into your Shopify? How do I get that into other platforms people use to sell products?
0: You know, I, I will I will confess there, there are two members of my family, my wife and my daughter, who are notorious for, you know, going and ordering four different sizes of something. Yeah. I say, why, why do we have eight boxes of this stuff? And then it <laughs> sits around the house and goes back home. So the, if we can solve that problem, that will be a tremendous benefit to everybody, I think.
1: It's so expensive to yeah. when you do that, that causes retailers so much money when they have to restock, put things back on shelf. The shipping costs and all of that
0: type of stuff. Yeah, and we're we're not talking high fashion there. We're talking the uh, the Amazons and the exactly. and the, and the Dick Sporting Goods at this point. But uh, no, I, I I get it. You know, during our last season of Hello Human, we highlighted diverse female executives in the technology industry. We had a great Women in AI series. You know, you don't have that classical technic technology background. Has that created major challenges in your work? You know, how were you able to build such a revolutionary and technologically advanced platform without that sort of background and training?
1: Yeah, I think it's tough being a non-tech founder. It does bring some challenges. What I think I did well was I took an existing, think of an existing product. Like At the end of the day, this is an inventory management system. How do I then need to customize it to the needs um, of my um, clients? And then I think I was, you don't have to be well tech versed to understand the problem and understand solution. So if you're really tapped into your customers, you got to really get solution. Think about solutions and think how does my product solve their solution. But where the real struggle really comes back I think is when you go to fundraising and talking to VCs, they really love someone with a tech background. They love like they're like so where's your co-founder like technical head type of person? So that's where the problem really comes I think. I think you as a um, founder can do it, especially if you you know how to manage your team. So I have a good product management background. So I know how to manage tech people. And I know enough that I can be efficient. But I think it scares people like VCs and traditional investors um, when you don't have that background. So then you have to just sort of use your skills to find the right people. So they feel um, that they trust your team, even if you don't have that background.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's great insight. And, it you know, it, it does take a village to, to build these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this season on Hello Human, we're really focusing on sort of the applied uses of AI across different industries and business, business units as much as we can. I think we've got a good sense of how TrackRacks works currently. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you could spend a couple minutes just talking about where you see the platform expanding in the next few years, both technically and from a, from a business perspective.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so the big part for us, especially the pandemics the shine a light on that is like our virtual showroom um, and how we're going to eventually infuse AI into that. So we have a virtual showroom. You, basically you upload all the samples, all the items that you'll have for your season, and then you can share this showroom to your buyers, to your PR people, to your stylists so they can see that and then loan out those samples. Right now, you upload in the image and you tag that information, but we think about the future. What if when you upload that sample using AI that um, our system will be able to automatically identify who's that sample is from because of styling and stuff like that? So putting AI so that the customer doing less work is really important to us. Also, we get so much great information from our clients and thinking about how we can take that information because usually they're uploading all these things like a season ahead. So... Using all that client um, insight, generating information back to our customers saying, well, skirts in this style is really in right now. Using some predictive analytics is then give trend reports and really provide more value to our customers is important. The influencer market is also really big right now. And so a lot of times people lend samples out to influencers. A big category of influence right now is like micro-influencers, so people who don't have a huge following but they have sort of a credibility issue, right? You don't, you're afraid to lend probably a $10,000 sample to some girl in IG with like 2,000 followers. Even though her conversion was really good and her engagement is really authentic and people really follow her. So what type of credibility can we create? We do this with our messengers. We They get a user generated ratings. Um, but what if we can put that rating system on influencers, um, depending on, were the other tasks that they were able to do, did they return the samples on time? Did they um, do the instructions that you gave them for that shoot? Um, how has everyone else experience been dealing with them? So putting that information and sort of generating it back so you feel comfortable lending out your samples to them. That's important to us. And then eventually spreading onto the marketplace area. I really believe in deleting, dealing with the sample process from beginning to end. So what happens after that sample is done being used? What do we do with it? There's a sustainability aspect to that, but there's also like a second life that we can sort of give that sample if that can go in a marketplace because sample sales are popular in New York and LA, but what about the person who lives in Idaho? Is there are they having access to Chanel sample sales? Like I, I doubt that. And how do I make that sort of accessible to them?
0: This has been great, Tara. To wrap up, you know, one final question. You can take this one anywhere you want. You know, what excites you about the future of AI in your industry and beyond?
1: For me, what's really um, exciting about AI and sort of how it's been implementing in the fashion industry, I think is improving sort of the customer's experience. The solution I create is very much like solve a problem. I had a problem, I experienced it, and I wanted to create a solution for it. So I think the fashion industry, we have a lot of these great tech that's sort of popping up, and some of it has sort of gone further than what the customer wants. right now, sort of think of 3D printing, where we thought we would be with that. We thought we'd be printing out like entire fashion lines on 3D printers, and that's sort of not the use case. I think there's just way more practical use cases of how we're going to experience things like AI just to make the shopping experience more seamless. There's a lot of things that sort of get bunched up and it's not as seamless as possible. So anything that helps with automation and make the customer experience better, I think that's where we're actually gonna see big impact. I think there's a gap between how customers see their self using AI and VR and the way retailers see it. Um, so I think there's gonna sort of be a lot of customer experience and social commerce. With, places like TikTok really do well with recommending what videos to use, what videos you want to watch and which creators to follow. What if we can do that great product recommendation in um, e-commerce? So I think that's going to sort of be where we see it. There's going to be a real blend in social media and I think commerce in the future. And you may be going to Instagram to purchase more than you're going to like individual sites. So I think that's sort of where an AI is going to be a big pusher in that. Sort of the algorithms that suggest um, different videos to you. was now going to be suggesting product to you.
0: Yeah, no, really, really interesting. I think you you sort of touched on the influencers and the micro influencers. I think that's sort of all blending together. You know, the it is. you know ult- ultimately the you know, big leaders in the industry probably have a little less power than they did, you know, a couple of years ago. And the other thing that I sort of came across, I usually don't add to this part of the conversation, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, when I was researching this episode, there was a fair amount of talk about the potential ability of technology and AI to help eliminate some of the waste that is created in the, in the fashion industry or in the production and manufacturing. And I, I had no idea the amount of, you know, extra resources that go into producing clothes and shipping, obviously, and all this other stuff. And, you know, I think that may be, you know, the the other kind of area. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that piece. You mentioned sustainability yeah, briefly. That's a big
1: part. So that's a big part of it. I think we over, we overconsume, we overcreate clothes and we don't consume as much. And then fast fashion has sort of created that problem to be even bigger because then people will wear things for short period times because it's so cheap and they can just throw it away. But the costs, not just the monetary cost, but also the impact on the environment to create those things is so high. So hopefully we'll be able to see how great demand really is. So we're not over creating clothes and then just throwing them into landfills. So the sustainability aspect is important. And that's sort of a push sort of with my company too. We say, say, if you're not losing samples, if that's not happening, if we're helping you with the full live stream, you don't have to order a new sample because that sort of is you're making too much waste. You're making too much product. So thinking about that and sort of your sustainability market, think of how the resale market is really booming with places like the Rio Real, Real and StockX. So that's a, a part of sort of that sustainability play as well.
0: Yeah, that's really great insight and a great point to end on. To recap today's conversation with Tara Robinson, the founder and product marketing manager at TrackRacks. Fashion is not the first industry you would associate with artificial intelligence, but leaders in the apparel space have turned to AI to make their businesses more efficient, replace photo shoots, and predict what people will buy and wear in the future. Designers and brands that embrace the latest technology to push the limits of design, manufacturing, and production will come out on top in this fast-changing world of fashion. This episode has been part of our second season of Hello Human, and a big thanks to Elizabeth Middleman for spearheading the season. That's a wrap on today's show. Thank you, Tara, for joining us and Fortress IQ for sponsoring. If you enjoyed it, be sure to give us that like or five-star review on whatever platform you're listening. I'm John Nisley, and this has been Hello Human. If you enjoyed this session, subscribe and check out our series at fortressiq.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on Hello Human.